Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of Misra and uh, by God's grace what we would focus on this morning is how we can become relatives of Christ and, all its, and also relatives of one another. We read in this Gospel reading from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 3, verse 23. It says, So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? They were accusing of our Lord Jesus Christ of casting out demons by demons. And he says, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And then if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but has an end. I want to talk a little bit about division and, and unification. When our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Satan, his tactic against our families and against Christianity, since the beginning of time, has been division. He's always worked to divide. That's the way he works. That's the way he operates. So when he tempted Adam and Eve, he wanted to divide them from God. The way he's working in, in humanity now is he's trying to tempt and to divide parent from child, husband from wife. You know, he's trying to divide. That's his tactic, is division. He, he's envious of humanity. Why does Satan want to divide? Why do we, why is Satan want to divide? And we say this in the divine liturgy. We, we says that death and which entered into the world, how? Through the envy of the devil. Well, why was the devil envious to begin with? He was saying that death entered into the world. We pray this in the prayer of reconciliation, that death entered because of the envy of the devil. If, if we were to look at this word envy, you know, in human terms, right? Why? Can somebody be envious of somebody else? Maybe somebody has something that we don't have, or maybe somebody has a position or something that we want and that creates envy. So what was the cause of envy of the devil? Let's read what St. Ambrose of Milan says. He says, The cause of envy was the happiness of man placed in paradise. Because the devil could not brook the favors received by man, so he was jealous of man. He was jealous of man. This is the problem. So God created everything, for humanity, and when, and when Satan saw that, he was jealous of what man had. His envy was aroused because man, though formed in slime, I like that, the way from St. Ambrose says, that we are formed in slime, was chosen to be an inhabitant of paradise. The devil began to reflect that man was an inferior creature, yet had hopes of eternal life, that God created man to live, but, and, and for example, God didn't intend for man to sin and fall. That was man's choice to sin and fall. So when Satan saw all of this, this is how envy entered into him. Whereas he, this is the devil, a creature of superior nature, because devil, the devil was what? He was a fallen angel. So and the angels are superior creatures to human beings. So the devil had fallen and had become part of this mundane existence. So Satan, his envy 
of humanity was because of all what God did for humanity. This, the devil is envy of us, and because of that envy, because of the life that was given to humanity, he seeks to divide. And like I said, he seeks to divide man from God, parents from children, husbands from wife. He did, that's his work is division. So if we want to have a unified home, we cannot let these divisions enter into our homes. And the good thing is that the death which entered into the world through the envy of the devil, if we continue in the prayer of reconciliation that we pray in the liturgy of St. Basil, what happened to that death? It was destroyed by the life-giving manifestation of your only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. So this death, this envy that comes into our homes, it seeks to separate. It separates man from God. We have the ways of life that God has given us, but we sometimes fight against that. And we want to do our own will as opposed to the the will of God. Parents from children. The parent should try as best as possible to instill a godly lifestyle in the home. But children fight that. Husband and wife. Husband and wife, they're like on a team, but at times they're like the worst enemies at the same time. So it's like Satan tries to divide the husband from the wife. And he'll use any tactic to divide the husband from the wife. However, there is hope through the life-giving manifestation of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. If we follow His way. So if we want to keep our homes unified, there is an answer to keeping our homes unified. I wanted to highlight the commandment that we give to parents in baptism. It's a beautiful commandment. And sometimes during the baptism prayers, we're not always focused on this commandment because you know, kids are crying and you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. But if you focus on this, and if we do these things that our Lord Jesus Christ is commanding and the church is commanding us to do, then we, our homes will be unified. It says be diligent. It requires diligence from the parents. So this is the commandment to the parents. The parents are called to be diligent, meaning that I, can, I cannot just let my child go and do whatever they want. I can't let them sit on YouTube or on their phones or on social media for hours upon hours and expect the output to be good. I need to be present. I need to be diligent. I need to be watchful what comes into their, into their ears and what their eyes see. I need this diligence. And I need diligence in what? It says in teaching them, reciting the Holy Scriptures. Do we recite the Holy Scriptures in our homes? And do we attend church services as, as a family? In the mornings and evenings and fastings? And in keeping the church laws and apostolic commands? The commandment then continues saying, Guard your children and keep them from going to unsuitable places. Do we protect our children from going to unsuitable places? Are we good examples for our children? Do we as parents also go to unsuitable places and then get upset when our children go to unsuitable places? He says, guard them from satanic temptations. Sow in them. I love this next 
this section here because it said so in them beautiful qualities. If you think about the, the concept of sewing, you take something and you bind it together. It says so in them beautiful qualities, so in them righteousness and praise, so in them purity, so in them obedience, love and holiness, so in them compassion, charity and justice, so in them godliness, patience and goodness, so in them honesty in every good work that pleases God so that your souls and your children's souls may live. What a beautiful commandment. If we want to protect our homes from division and if we follow these things that the church has commanded us to do, Satan is not going to be able to enter our homes and to divide. He won't be able to do these things, but it requires diligence and it requires effort. And the formula is there for us to do these things. So the parents are responsible for their children. And it's the parents that are responsible for what? Feeding the children with spirituality. I know sometimes people think that it's the church responsibility. It's not the church's responsibility. It's the parents' responsibility to sow in them these qualities. The church helps support but it's the parents' responsibility to sow in them these qualities and to sow in them these right, this lifestyle. Don't think for one second that an hour of Sunday school of week is going to be what changes your, your child's life. It's not going to. We're the, they need consistency in the home and parents need to sow in them these qualities and live these qualities so that the children can absorb and then become like their parents in holiness and godliness. So this is for the parents. For the children, it says now because we need division, we want, sorry, we need unity, we don't want division. So if this is the parents' responsibility, what is the children's responsibility? In the book of uh, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter six, verses one and to four, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So it is a child's responsibility to do what? To listen. So the parents should be working to do all of these things that are listed here in the commandments. And if the parent is doing these things, it is a child's responsibility to listen to the parent to do these types of things that are there. And in this way is how we should conduct our homes. St. John Chrysostom says, both the husband and the wife are responsible for the children. And I'm highlighting this because what sometimes, especially in our Middle Eastern culture, we feel that the raising of the children is just for the mom and let her do everything on her own. Let her take care of the kids. I'm going to go out and work and she's going to do these things. But this is not what Chrysostom is saying. Both the husband and the wife are responsible for the children. And they both need to be present and active in their, in their children's lives. So, actually, statistically speaking, the presence of the father, when a father is not present, it impacts the children in a huge, huge way. If you look at all mental health and psychological statistics about parents, or sorry, children who grew up without fathers, the amount of trouble that those kids have, it, it ends up causing a lot of um, issues for them. So fathers need to be present. We can't just do what 
You can't just throw the responsibility on just one side. And this, is, this, this doesn't mean that the mothers don't have a responsibility either. Both have an equal responsibility. And I know that there are, are unfortunate situations where you know, maybe the father or the mother passes or there are divorce situations. I understand all of these things. But we're talking about we want, this is what is ideal. Is that when the husband and the wife operate as one unit, division will not enter. Both the husband and the wife are responsible for the children. And Chrysostom continues, he is well aware that if husband and wife are well disposed according to the commands he has laid down, look at this, there will be little difficulty in eliciting the cooperation of children. So what St. John Chrysostom is saying is that if we go back to these commandments that were written here to the parents about how they should raise their children, if we do that, there'll be little difficulty in the cooperation from the children. But if the children don't see this, they're going to fight against it. The children, without them even knowing it, they want godliness. They want it. Sometimes, especially as children, we don't know what's best for us, but God does. And as, and as parents, we are responsible to provide what's best for our children. Like, let me give you an example. Anybody who has young children, if you're going to allow your young child to eat whatever they want, what are they going to eat all day? Chocolates, candy, cookies, sugary stuff, right? Because it tastes good. But as a parent, what do we have? We have a responsibility to do what? To give them the good food. The food that's going to build them up, that's going to make their, their bodies healthy and nutritious. This is the parent's responsibility. And we do this very well with physical food. Especially, you look at younger parents now. My goodness, the, the amount of research that we do before we put a single thing into the child's mouth, you know? And, uh, and at least for, you know, my wife and I, like by the time you get to the third child, you just, you know, whatever, whatever goes in, it doesn't make a difference. But we do all of this research and effort because we want to make sure our kids are physically nutritious. What about the spirit? You know how many times I talk to youth who stay home all day just sitting on their YouTube or on their phones and social media? I ask them, like, what are you doing today? And they're like, oh, we're just hanging out at home, doing nothing. Do something with your children. Take them out. Teach them. Bring them to the church. It says, the commandment says what? In, in the mornings and the evening, attending church services. Do we come to Vespers? Do we come to these services? For our, do we bring our children to these things? It'll be less difficult for us to raise our children. Don't tell me that we don't know how to raise children. The church has told us exactly what to do to raise children. The unfortunate thing is that sometimes we, because of our own desires, don't want to do these things. And then we come and complain years later saying, my child is so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, if you did these things, then you're setting that example for them. So am I praying as a family? Do I read scripture together as a family? Do I worship as a family? Do I tithe and do I serve as a family? Do I fast as a family? Do I offer repentance and confession as a family? 
Do I, do, do I come to the Holy Liturgy as a family? Do I venerate the saints as a family? Do I do these things as a family? Because if you don't do them as a family, the likelihood that your children are going to do them is very, very, very little. We have to set the example for our kids. And then they will follow. And believe it or not, they'll love it. We think, we think that our kids are not going to enjoy it. We think and we complain. Like all of the people who complain, oh, the liturgy is too long, the services are too long, the language and all these other things. And we say, oh, the kids are not going to like it. It's not the kids. I promise you, it's not the kids. It's the adults that don't like it. And because the adults don't like it, they're using their children as an excuse to get them out from doing the things that they don't want to do. So, for us, are we setting that example? There's a proven concept here that works. And if we do these things as a family, then our houses will not be divided. They'll be unified. And in this way, we will all become relatives of Christ. If you look at the end of this gospel reading, they came and they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. And in, ch- in verse 34 and 35 of chapter 3, our Lord says, and he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. So he, his mother and his brothers were sitting outside. He said, well, who, it's not by physical Connection by blood connection that somebody becomes my mother or my brother or my sister. But whoever does the will of God is my mother or my brother or my sister. This is how we become relatives of Christ. This is how we can take our blood relationships and make them true relationships in spirit. Yes, somebody might be my father or somebody might be my brother or my mother or my sister, whatever it is. But that physical relationship that biological relationship that you have with that person is just through blood. The true relationship comes in the way that we conduct our lives. And this is what our Lord Jesus Christ said. If we want to become His relatives, is doing His will, following His way. Look what St. Augustine says here about St. Mary. He says, Mary is more blessed in receiving the faith of Christ than in conceiving the flesh of Christ. So he's saying that St. Mary is more blessed, not just because she gave birth to Christ, but because she believed in Him as her God and her Savior. And then he continues, As for Mary, her nearness as a mother would have been little help for her salvation if she had not borne Christ where? In her heart, in a more blessed manner than in the flesh. So you gave birth to your children, or maybe the wives gave birth to their children, right? Or the mothers, they gave birth to their children. That's not enough. You've given them physical birth, biological birth. Now, feed them the spiritual birth. You want your children to be good and live a, and a, live a holy life. It is not, they're not going to just listen to you because you're their mother or you're their father. But the commandment to the children is what? Obey in what? The Lord. If the commandment is from God, they cannot reject it. Even if they say out of their mouth they're going to reject it, but because it comes from God, it'll pierce their hearts. And this is how we become relatives, true relatives 
of one another and true relatives of Christ by doing the will of God. So we all have biological family. But that doesn't mean much if the way we conduct our lives is all different. So this is how we become relatives of Christ. Let's summarize what we said. Division has always been Satan's tactic. Satan seeks to divide because he said what? He's envious towards humanity. And remember, I explained why, or St. Ambrose of Milan explained why Satan was envious, because what humanity has, he didn't have. Our guard against division in our home is keeping our homes built on the foundation of Christ and His Church. So that if we conduct our homes in this way, our homes will be in peace. And this requires effort on behalf of parents and faith from children to obey their parents. So if we obey our parents in the Lord, and the, children, and the parents are setting the example in the Lord, we will have peace in our homes. And living in this way, we will become true relatives of Christ and true relatives of one another. Not merely, not merely by, by blood, but by spirit. Because the biological connection is not enough. The children want to learn the ways of life. And it's our responsibility as parents to give them that way of life. And children, it's your responsibility to do what? To obey your parents in the, in the Lord. And glory be to our God forever and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.